Welcome to On the Cusp, the podcast that analyzes the new forms of aggression facing liberal democracies and hears from the innovative people at the forefront of countering that aggression. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ball, and I work on these issues as a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. I invite you to read my new report, The Defender's Dilemma, which you can find on AEI.org. And this summer, my book by the same name comes out, and I'll, of course, keep you updated on that too. A new form of aggression that is very unfortunately gaining strength is the use of private companies to pressure foreign governments. Sweden, unfortunately, has become a target of this. A few months ago, an independent government agency decided not to include Huawei in Sweden's 5G auction for national security reasons. Chinese officials immediately said this would lead to repercussions for Swedish companies doing business in China, of which there are many. Then came a number of news media interviews where the CEO of Ericsson, which as we know is a leading competitor of Huawei, uh, the, the CEO whose name is Boye Ekom made the point that Sweden should permit Huawei. And then it emerged of Christmas that Ekom had contacted Sweden's Minister of Trade to ask her to reverse the agency's ban. Now, lots of people were baffled by this. Why would the CEO of a leading competitor plead with his firm's home government to allow Huawei to build 5G there. It then transpired that he had been put under pressure by the Chinese government. Now, the difficult reality for a Western CEO like Ecom is this, around 1% of Ericsson's revenues comes from Sweden and about 10 times as much from China. Now, Western firms need the Chinese market, which means they can be put under pressure by the Chinese government. And this is an incredibly difficult situation for every Western company doing business in China and for their home government. Now, the, the question, of course, is how should Western capitals respond to such coercive tactics? Justin Lundgren is the third deputy speaker of Sweden's parliament and is a longtime parliamentarian in Sweden and in the European parliament with a wide range of expertise that includes serving on the Swedish parliament's defense committee. Now, Justin, welcome. And uh, the obvious Thank question you. is, what, what, do, what do we do? What should Sweden do about this? Foremost is the question, of course, of working together with the like-minded countries. The EU is, of course, essential for us to handle this kind of pressure that we have seen. Business is one, but we have seen journalists. Uh, we have uh, one of our citizens, uh, Guimin Hai, uh, as an author, in jail, kidnapped from uh, Thailand. So, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing uh, situation with uh, countries, authoritarian and dictatorship countries, where uh, they are using the whole or the broad spectrum of possibilities to influence and to get their things on board, more, more or less. And the national intelligence law in China, the CCP overseeing everything, having the last word, be it judicial, be it enterprises, be it uh, culture, be it minorities, whatever. That is, of course, something new for us. And it contradicts what we have seen when we have worked for an open global market with uh, equal playing fields. So it's uh, something new to deal with. And we, I think we are trying to work together in Europe, but also transatlantic and with Australia, we have seen Australia hit awfully um, by the Chinese authorities. And we have to learn. This is something uh, we haven't seen before. 
it's in a sense the new normal. There are two things I wanted to pick up on what you said. First of all, the author, the Swedish author, Chinese-born publisher who had moved to Sweden, gained Swedish citizenship, and as you said, has been detained by the Chinese authorities. Why is that a problem for the Swedish government? It's a Swedish citizen being kidnapped, being transferred to China, and being also in a way that is contradicting international law. It's been shown in, in Chinese television, uh, telling some kind of forced Confession. Yeah, confession or something uh, forced, at least, yeah. uh, to tell the story, forced story. Yeah. And now it's also the question of trying to force him to leave his Swedish citizenship. And for us, it's uh, unacceptable. He is a Swedish citizen and, and he has been jailed in a way that is uh, contradicting international law on every article. That is a huge battle, and we have seen uh, when we had a prize given to him uh, last year, I think, or two years ago, the pressure on the Minister of Culture was high when she was attending the ceremony. She was threatened, and the Swedish government was uh, threatened uh, at the same time. So they are moving in a way that is taking all the possibilities to pressure and to create this kind of well-known situation where uh, companies, where uh, journalists, where uh, people trying to see some kind of self-censorship, making sure that they are not creating some kind of trouble. They are now pushing many papers in smaller papers in Sweden, in regional papers, newspapers, trying to push them to stop telling the story about the Uyghurs, for example, that has now hit the BBC. Yeah, uh, and and that is ongoing. Yeah, and, and, we and, can, and we, I, I guess they can use also the uh, enterprises. They are testing, and they see how they can manage. They are able and um, shown that they are well. They have no no uh, question to use every tool in the toolbox. Yeah, to get their interests. Exactly, and, and what you say is so important. So what happened to that? Chinese-born Swedish citizen who is a book publisher was that he was illegally detained and then Swedish consular officers tried to get access to him and I don't think they've been successful then he was given an award in absentia in Sweden by Swedish Pen, which is a private organization non-government organization and as you said the Chinese government then instructed the Swedish government not to attend the ceremony so it is quite unpalatable and heavy pressure on many fronts, as you say, with regards to Guy Minheide, the Chinese-born Swedish citizen, with regards to the Swedish journalists at local newspapers in Sweden being told by the Chinese government that they should refrain from certain coverage. And as we discussed previously on Ericsson and quite possibly other Swedish companies. The other thing I wanted to pick up on, on what you said just a minute ago is the European need to act collectively within the European Union. Now, that's something that, that doesn't seem to be happening. Sweden, uh, uh, with regards to Grimmin High, was left alone by European allies. And with regards to 5G now, with, with the pressure on Ericsson has, has been left alone, where, where I think 
observers like me would say, this is an opportunity for every EU member state to say, now we're coming together because this pressure can hit our countries as well, which should demonstrate that China uh, will not be successful using this pressure. Are you disappointed with the European, the EU response so far? When talking about uh, our citizen Gimin High, I think uh, at least we have uh, had uh, some kind of, of uh, solidarity within the European Union. Uh, both uh, Angela Merkel, uh, I think also Macron was uh, mentioning him in, in talks with uh, uh, Chinese authorities. So I think we are at least uh, welcoming that kind of remark. But on the other hand, we have been some kind shaken by the way China has moved ahead. At first, we thought uh, many countries thought it was great to have cooperation with China. Uh, we have seen uh, interest of cooperation on, on climate issues, for instance. But be aware, they are using every, every item to pressure and test. And we must be aware of that and build some kind of strategy to bring them in another direction. And I think for me, it's a question mark whether the decision taken in the end of December with the agreement between the EU and China was good timing of that just yeah. before Biden administration was installed. And I think it should be joint work between uh, like-minded, value-based countries to do the utmost to bring some kind of regulations on board that can handle this kind of situation. Otherwise, we, I think we can see some kind of fragmentation of the global society. We have the security issues on 5G, of course, important, but we can also see it in other areas. I heard some mentioning today when I spoke with enterprises here in, in the region of Stockholm about companies that was not able to have the supply chain, or I think it was some Swiss watch producer that was not able to have their production because they, they were blocked. So that now they are trying to create some kind of alternative in, I think it was Italy, to have the supply chain working. By whom? By pandemic it was, oh, and, okay. and, and the situation like this. I think this is something that could also be an uh, outcome of this battle that is ongoing between different kind of regulations, how to see on, on national intelligence. I think every country has right to have security and they are obliged to be securing their own interests bringing that interest into the global scene in that way, um, as China's Communist Party is now doing, is creating a, really a systemic rivalry that will uh, break up, perhaps, the global common market. Indeed, and that's something that I'm concerned about. Global, globalization is, is based on the idea that we all engage in fair play, and yes, there are there have been violations over the years and then countries go to the WTO and the WTO adjudicates. But this is more of a systemic subversion of, of globalization where one country uses another country's globally operating businesses to put pressure on, on that country. And, and as you said, it's not just Sweden, it's Australia, for example, has been hit in, in a major way by this. And 
it seems likely to, to hit other countries soon if we don't act together and, and put up a united wall against it. And the question from my perspective is countries such as Germany, are they, are they too slow in, in reacting? They, as you said, Germany pushed through the comprehensive agreement with China before the end of its chairmanship of the European Council. And now we have this agreement, but that agreement is, is based on, on good faith in, in trade and business. But the good faith is not there, it seems, at least on the, on the part of China. So how can we create that common Euro, united European front if, if some countries don't see the threat as clearly as others? Well, I think it's a question of continued uh, discussion. And when looking into this uh, 17 plus one meeting that is uh, part of the ruling by dividing system yeah. that China has uh, brought forward, it is at least in, in some, um, some countries seen as just that. Noticing the, the level of, of uh, participation in, from the Baltic states, for instance, yeah. is uh, some kind of wake-up signal. And I think if we can have a, some kind of joint dialogue, UK is important, US is important, Canada is important, Australia is important, Japan is in New Zealand and so on. So it is joint discussion between democracies and making use of the meetings coming up. Biden has talked about this forum for democracy or what he's calling for. It is important to make sure that we are not building walls, because I don't want to see walls, but building, building some kind of response, common response making sure that we are not just seen as an easy piece for the Chinese communist rulers. They will continue if they don't see any kind of pushback. And I think the pushback from the Trump administration was an eye-opener. I think that was a good one in a way, but the methods wasn't the best. And the way the US made it as going alone was also creating this opportunity for China to play. And that was not helpful for, for US and not helpful for us. The Trump administration, in a sense, had the right instinct about wanting to address this really quite broken setup where China is able to subvert uh, globalization. Unfortunately, as you say, the Trump administration went about it in the wrong way. Now, coming back to Sweden, which has been for, for centuries a globally trading country where yeah. companies export all over the world, not just goods, but services as well. This uh, creates exposure to pressure by, by foreign governments that are so inclined. And, and Sweden is at the same time a, a small country. Uh, do you think... Should, should the government tell companies to get out of the Chinese market because it's, it's too risky to be there? Considering they are private companies, the government can't really tell them what to do anyway. But if you can't protect them, is it better for them just to get out? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think we shall uh, try to mend the system instead of, of uh, just destroying it. So I think it is, and hope uh, we we don't like the idea of protectionism coming back. We have to be aware of the, the risks in that. For a small, open trading country as Sweden, it is important to try to keep up and, and try to work together to find a way of handling this kind of threats that is coming up and that we have seen 
But I think for the companies, it's obvious. This is something that they have seen. And I, I guess they are working on the market globally. Uh, so it's not just Sweden. They have to see the impact of the Chinese system on their own business and make their own calculation on that. But I think we will see in many ways this kind of wrestling between countries and hopefully the Chinese leaders will see that this is not the best way of doing business for them neither because it's a question of of the trademark and the way, I mean, they can use uh, diplomatic tools, be it virus uh, or uh, vaccine diplomacy or whatever, so they can use all the tools, but if they are seen as a threat, danger, the market will make their own moves due to that. It's in the interest of the Chinese people and for the region as such as well, if they can realize that this is not the way to doing business. That is perhaps a a business they can try to push back home, but bringing it out to the global system is not the way to do things. Relating to that, it's been interesting to see that quite radical change in public opinion globally on China in just the last year. Distrust of China is skyrocketing. I saw, for example, the the figures in, in Sweden, I think it was from uh, 59 to 87% in just a, a couple of years, and, and similar in other countries, especially Australia, but the United States, Australia, I mentioned, Canada, the UK, even Germany and Italy would uh, have a more friendly disposition towards China. So if consumers turn against China, who is going to buy Chinese products in our country? So as you say, it's, it's not a good long-term strategy for China that's it for this episode of On The Cast. Many thanks to our guest, Justin Lundgren. As always, if you're not already subscribed, please feel free to subscribe on Apple or Spotify and feel free to share and comment as well. And you can also tweet at me at Elizabeth Brawl. Many thanks as always to our producers, Andy Terrell and Olivia Leslie. We'll be back very soon with another guest who's doing pioneering work. See you on The Cast.